So I worked in, I work in downtown LA, a bunch of Jewish people, um, Asian people, Hispanic people. And I said, Jewish, Asian, Hispanic. And there's another minority that I'm not thinking of. And I don't want to even say the name minority. I'll just say like non-white. And what I realized is they're finding ways to win. They're finding ways to buy homes. They're finding ways to start businesses. They're finding ways to get into top universities. They're finding ways to get great jobs. They're finding ways to have two parent families and households. They're finding ways to do it. And not one of them is over here protesting to the government, trying to get them to do something for them financially. None of them. Are we on the answer? Tweet talk, tweet talk, tweet talk, tweet talk. And begin. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, own, invest, and close the wealth gap. It's it's, it's time to break down these financial concepts with your hosts, Charles Oglesby and Raphael Husbands. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Sweet Talk Podcast. What's going on? We live from Atlanta, Georgia. So yeah, what's going on, man? What's going on? We here? Yeah, so we came out here because my aunt was having her 70th birthday, and um, they originally from San Diego. They lived in San Diego for a long time, and then my cousin and her mom moved out this way, and then her mom lives with my cousin, uh, who's also my aunt, of course, and my cousin. And so it's funny because we knew about this birthday party for a long time. Like everybody was talking about it, it happening, and the closer and closer it got, it sounded like more of the family's coming out to go to this birthday party. And so I have a pretty big family. I got three aunts, four uncles, um, and then my mom is also included in that. So there's four boys, four girls. And of that, I probably had 30, 35 cousins. And so when I found out that like everybody was coming out to this party, my mom was coming, all her sisters, all her brothers were all flying out from San Diego, California to go to this party. I was like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. And then I was at the 4th of July and my cousin, uh, EJ, Eric, I'm not sure if you ever met him, but he was at the party and he told me he was going to be coming. And I was like, man, the cousin's coming too. So I, I got to come. And so Yeah, uh, PGP life. Yeah, PGP life. <laughs> and so um, I, taught, I, brought, I brought it up to my wife and she was like, yeah, we could do it. And then I, um, her sister's out here too. So whenever she gets a chance to kind of come out here and see her sister, she's always down for that too. And then her mom wanted to come. And so her mom came and just kind of turned into a big thing. And then ended up happening in the same weekend that the Beehive's here. <laughs> Beyonce destroying lives with her concert, man. She was just Say in Jersey last week. Said Beyonce destroying oh. lives with her concert. She was in Jersey last week. Yeah. Messing up traffic. Yeah, it's been bad. Traffic, I mean... Because if you're not if you're not in downtown, the, the concert's in downtown. So if you're not in downtown, you're probably in Buckhead. It's just traffic all throughout. So man, you had a tweet where you said you better get you because everybody else, everybody's for self. It's funny because that's an old tweet, and that's also uh, a lyric from a song. And so um, I mean, people will experience it. It's very interesting because you would think that the way people reach out and they're always looking for help, they're always looking for you to kind of help them up. You think they'd have the same energy towards you, but they really don't. <laughs> And it's kind of trying to get theirs and move on. And so, I mean, success requires selfishness in a lot of ways. Selfishness, but then generosity. Generosity, but you can't just be solely generous. You can't just be solely giving and helping and allowing other people to win. In the beginning of building the company, it was more so just giving to everybody else, make sure everybody else is good. And then at one point in time, I had to start thinking about myself and I started thinking about monetizing and making sure that I'm exchanging value as opposed to just adding value. Which is actually kind of an interesting thought if you think about it versus like a lot of times we think about adding value in the beginning of your business where you are coming to people, you're looking to ways that you help them make money, look to make find ways for you to help them grow. But at a certain point, you got to get to the point where we're exchanging value. So I should be getting a benefit from this exchange, not just in access. 
or exposure. It's like, no, there should be some monetary compensation that's going to go with the value that I'm going to bring to you. And so I can do these things. It's going to add value. And there's a, there's a cost for that. So yeah, I'll promote your book. Yeah, I'll promote your course. Yeah, I'll come teach on your platform. I'll show up and I'll help you. So the things that I was doing before for free, where I was just adding value, trying to get on, trying to build a name, trying to build a resume, I can't do that stuff for free anymore. Now that thing has to cost money. And so I transitioned into that kind of a thinking where you got to start thinking family first, son first, wife first, and then focus on everybody else. For sure. I saw you, uh, you retweeted this tweet from Alex Hormozzi said, it takes longer to build an empire than a hut. So don't expect an empire on a hut timeline. It's funny because it's a lot of folks on the timeline that's uh, flexing their huts. A lot of folks on the timeline who are like, oh, look at me, I'm here, I'm there, and it's on the credit card. A lot of people out here who, it's a lot of things that you'll see. And so I think that that's one of the, the reasons why I tell that story about just like the basics of the Three Little Prigs, where you got the twig house, you got the stick house, and you got the brick house, where they all end up going to at the end of the day, the brick house. What took longer to build? The brick house. But during the meantime, the people who build the house of twigs and the house of sticks, what were they doing? They were playing. They were making, they were having fun, joking, living. And there's a lot of people on the timeline who were having fun, joking and living. And they got twig house. They got, they got stick house. They haven't built nothing. I would even say that your twig house and your, and your stick house is maybe 10K, 100K. Like, yeah, they're flexing that they have 10K and 100K. But the M is indestructible. No matter what I spend, the M's always going to make more money. And I always know that. So it's like, dang, I got to move 2K for this. And then I know in next week, the stock market's going to give me back 10K. And so like, that's one of the things. It's like the M is indestructible. You can't destroy that. You can destroy 10K, 100K. You can spend that in a weekend. It's kind of like, who said that? Um, Chris Rock. He was like, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. He's like, if you're rich, you could blow that in Vegas with a bad drug habit. But he said, you can't destroy wealth. Yeah. Yeah, it made me think of um, what you always say about it took you 18 years to become an 18-year-old. So, you know, they expect everything to be pretty after like six months, and polished and refined. And now we got to give each other grace and give ourselves grace. Got to. We got to. We're, we always, we love to compare that person who started that new business with no financial backing, with no family backing, with no experience to a company that's been in existence for decades that had, and not only have they been in existence for decades, like Amazon's been in existence for a very long time. That's one thing. But Amazon, Jeff Bezos' parents were wealthy already. And I'm pretty sure his parents before him were wealthy. And so not only we, we're, we're measuring up people against a standard of time, we're also measuring them up with improper expectations of what preceded them. It's like, where'd you come from? What's your foundation? We always love to talk about it when we talk about like the things we can't do. No, we can't do that because of slavery. We can't do that because of um, Jim Crow and all these different things. But nobody ever uses that to give grace to a business. Like, well, maybe their business isn't where they want to be because of slavery. Maybe where the reason right, why right. the business isn't where it needs to be because of Jim Crow. Maybe the reason why the business isn't because isn't where it needs to be because of redlining. We never give that grace to the wealth builder. We only give it to the victims. We only give it to the people who don't want to do nothing. But the people who want to do something now, it's like, oh well, social real estate funds not not here yet. Well, the same things you give the reason for reparations. How about you give that grace to the social real estate fund? How about you give that grace to Dr. Boyce Wagner? How about you give that grace to um, uh, Dr. Umar Johnson? The same excuses that you make for people to do nothing, give it to the people that are doing something. It should be the same standard across the board because we're all operating from the same base. Mm. And that takes me to this next tweet that you had. You said uh, there's a difference between accountability and cruelty. You know, it's funny. This is kind of turned into like a DJ Vlad type thing because I can't see you talking, but I can hear you talking. 
Um, I got that from this book I'm reading called um, Discipline is Your Destiny by Ryan Holiday. And it's a very good book because you would think that it's just talking about discipline, but what it really does is he starts to break down different things you need to be doing that require discipline, like frugality. Um, navigating abundance is one of the things he was talking about. He was saying like, as you, like people, like being broke is hard, but having money and being able to do whatever you want to do is hard as well because you have to maintain some sort of control. Otherwise, you'll go buy that car, you'll go buy that house, you'll go buy those shoes, you'll go buy all these different things. And there's a different level of control that comes with having the ability to do what you want and still not doing it. And so one of the things he was talking about is um, he brought up the whole accountability thing. And I like that comment, that kind of, there's a difference between accountability and cruelty because a lot of times we see online, people are saying things to quote, hold people accountable, but it comes off as an attack. It comes off as tearing somebody down. And we see it all the time. Going back to Tulsa Real Estate Fund, you see people online who, instead of saying, hey, I see that you're looking for, you, you're having a hard time um, getting deals to make sure that this fund is profitable. I'm going to help you get some deals. I'm going to source some deals. In fact, I've already educated a group of students that specialize in finding deals. We're going to make sure they send Tulsa real estate deals first. Good deals, deals that make sense. We won't do something like that. But the thing is, is that creates a win-win situation. When you help somebody win, as opposed to criticizing them, guess what happens? Another business gets formed. That's all business is. You have this large business and somebody's like, oh, I see you got a grocery store. How are you going to get the groceries to your grocery store? Well, I got a business that's going to get the groceries from the farm. We're going to bring it right to you. But what we'll do is we'll say like, oh, you got a grocery store. You can't even get groceries over there. How are you going to get groceries? That's not possible. And so I think that we have to shift. And I do this. I do this. I'm just trying to encourage other people to do this. I'm going to make sure that that's really what I built the whole, everything that I've done on is helping people. I help people. I see that something that needs to get done and guess what happens? I do it. I don't point out the fact that it's not being done. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They're saying, oh, well, this isn't being done. So it's whack. It's like, well, how about you do it? And if you can, if you have the ability to assess it, you have the ability to spot, you have the credentials to speak on it, then why don't you do it? Why don't you help people get their stuff together? Nobody wants to do bad business. Nobody wants to not do things the correct way, but sometimes the lack of resources force people to just kind of pull together what they can. Why? Slavery, Jim Crow, redlining, the same things, the same things that are holding people back from building wealth on the job, are holding people back from building wealth in business, but we only give the job people grace. And so that was my point is a lot of people really don't want you to be accountable. They just want to dog you. They just want to shit on you because you have the audacity to do something. You have the audacity to build something and to grow and to build. You have the audacity to not just wallow in what we've existed in. You're like, you know what, despite all that, I'm still going to grow. Despite all that, I'm still going to build. Despite all that, I'm still going to create solutions. So you touched on it real quick. So I saw you um, put out a tweet where you referenced the abundance thing, but it's, although it's easier than grinding in poverty, navigating abundance is its own challenge. How have you seen that in your own life? Um, a lot. We went to dinner last week um, and it was a birthday party for my mother-in-law. Everybody, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say I didn't say, hey, let's have a dinner with my mother-in-law. I got an invitation. Somebody sent me an invitation like, hey, we're going to the winery for Miss um, Sharon's birthday party. Be there. So we get there and a bunch of people show up. Everybody's eating, everybody's drinking, everybody's vibing. And then the check comes. Mm. And so navigating abundance is like, oh, I can pick up the whole check. People know I can pick up the whole check. People are looking for me to pick up the whole check. 
But should I pick up the whole check? And also, how would I look if I don't pick up the whole check and people know that I can pick up the whole check? And that's the navigating abundance thing is this difficult because people will put that pressure on you. It happens all the time. That's interesting. You just said something I never would have even thought about because my first reaction is like, if they didn't speak to you about it beforehand and they just throw a last minute invitation, like they shouldn't expect you to pay the bill. And it's like, I mean, it's a tough position to be in, but what I didn't think about is what do you look like? Like, of course, it's not fair that you pay the whole bill, but it's like, what do you look like having money? And you're like looking at the bill and saying, well, who had the who had the chicken wings? Who had the uh, imagine you sitting there breaking down the bill between 10 people and you could pay for the whole check. Like, I don't think you should pay it. But at the same time, it's like it looks it looks bad. Right. I mean, but I feel like in an ideal situation, people should be fighting to pay for the bill. You shouldn't show up somewhere and be like, well, who going to get me? Like, you are a grown adult. A part of the reason why I do it is because I don't want somebody, I don't want anybody licking me like I'm expecting them to get me. Or, and like, say, for example, like, even at the party last night, like, there was a thing where I guess, like, so we showed up and this happened before, and like, they're hosting it, but they're expecting other people to bring bottles. And so, if you don't bring a bottle, they're looking at you as though you're mooching on them. But if I'm hosting it, I'm providing the bottles. Anything you bring is extra to what we already provided. We're not basing the party on whether you bring something or not. That's just a bonus. But I look bad if I don't bring something, even if I didn't know that we were supposed to bring something, because if I knew, I would have brought something. <laughs> and so, but right. that's just one piece of it. I would say the whole um, navigating abundance is, it's a lot. It's a lot of things. Um, it's, it's mostly just exercising restraint and realizing that the money really is the tool not the things that you can buy with the money because mm. and i think that's why like a lot of people can do it because imagine if you go out there and you say well i'm gonna go and buy this car now i don't have 100k to invest into the next deal and so logically you're already mentally exercising that restraint i think part of it is exercising other people's expectations around you because and we were talking about this on the internet when people think you have money they think you have an unlimited supply of money and so they'll spend and 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 they don't realize like no i know what the number is you don't know what the number is you just think money and so you think oh this dinner costs 100 bucks 200 bucks 500 bucks 600 bucks 700 bucks he got money so he got it like no it's not unlimited and we look at every single big time athlete who's gone broke it's never because of him mc hammer didn't go broke because of him he, he, he went broke because he was flying around 50 people on a jet right and that's another thing is like people just stop working when they think you got it and so you do have to lay down the law my sister about two months ago she said she was short on the rent and I knew she was going to be short on the rent and people will plan to lose if they think that she can win for them. And so I told her, I said, I'm giving you this money. I don't expect it back, but this is the first and the last time this is going to happen. I'm not going, it's not going to be a, a habit. And so I think that you have to set boundaries and guidelines and you have to not care what people think because you spend it all, they ain't showing to pay you more. They just going to talk mm. about the part that they had. You're telling your money. Right. That, the funny thing is when you do stuff like that, the same people that are messed up, even though they may not, be consciously thinking like, oh, my brother got me or whatever. Once you cut them off and let them know, like, they'll find a way to, to get things done. They will. They always and it, will. And and the funny thing is, not only will they find a way, they don't necessarily make more money. Like, they don't necessarily have to make more money or get another job. A lot of times people find a way with what they already have mm-hmm. because they're forced to. Yep. And you had a tweet where you say you can learn a lot from immigrants because they found ways to win in America. That didn't require them to be white or get white people treat. So I work in I work in downtown LA, a bunch of Jewish people, um, Asian people, Hispanic people, and I said Jewish, 
Asian, Hispanic, and there's another minority that I'm not thinking of, but I don't want to even say the name minority. I'll just say like non-white. And what I realized is they're finding ways to win. They're finding ways to buy homes. They're finding ways to start businesses. They're finding ways to get into top universities. They're finding ways to get great jobs. They're finding ways to have two-parent families and households. They're finding ways to do it. And not one of them is over here protesting to the government, trying to get them to do something for them financially. None of them. I haven't seen it. Maybe you've seen it. I haven't seen it. Maybe it happened before me, but I haven't seen it. And what I realized is they do a lot of things that we don't do, the things that I've talked about in the past, where they work together as a team, where they look for ways to help somebody as opposed to bringing them down and slandering and hating on them, where they prioritize education, they prioritize family, they prioritize marriage, they prioritize all these different things, even to the extent of living in the same household as somebody. And I think that's a great example of, I was walking out of my, I think I, the reason why I got this thought is I was, I was leaving my house one day and there's this dude outside washing his truck, Mexican dude who lives in the house next door to us, but there's two families in that house, two families in that house. And I've told this story multiple times, but I was like, wow, like they own this home and they're both going to probably split the equity in this home and they don't have any problem with it because they've been living there for three years. They've lived in the same house for three years. You can't get us to do stuff like that. They'd be like, you grown, get out of my house. You're a grown man. He had a wife and a kid in this, in this man's house. And he does not care. He probably contributes. He probably adds value. He's pulling his weight. And so I thought it was interesting because the reason why I shared it is because we can become successful in America without being white. We can become successful in America without getting white people to be nice to us. We can become successful in America without having to get them to treat us like we're white. <laughs> and I think that's important because I don't think we're gonna find success doing any of those things. I don't think we're, gonna, we're, we're never gonna be white. So that's a wrap. We gotta check that box off. You ain't gonna be white, sorry. <laughs> but the other box is, I don't think we're ever gonna get them to treat us like we're white. No matter how you act, no matter how you talk, no matter how you dress, no matter what, wherever you go, you are black. I don't care if you have a polo shirt and some Gucci sneakers and a Rolex. They still gonna be like, what you doing here, bro? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so um, I saw that to say that um, it's, it's possible. And I think that's what the most important thing is, is to look at um, the fact that we don't have to do any of those things. We can still win, but we have to be smart. We have to be willing to get uncomfortable. Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. And I think that's a part of the reason why we don't, but we're looking for the other thing. We're like, well, I don't want to live with this person. I don't want to go work a job that's beneath me. I don't want to help you build your business. I don't want to save money to invest. I don't want to cut back and not do fancy stuff so that I can actually be able to have the resources to have that cushion. We're not willing to do the things that are going to make us successful. So it's not a matter of whether we can or whether we want to or whether we do not. It's a matter of what are we going to do those things. They already laid the playbook out. They do not hide the ball. They bunk up and they live in the same house. They make sure they take care of their kids. They build businesses. They help each other in business. They collectively buy assets. They're grouping up and they're buying assets. Like the playbook is there. It's just a matter of we want to execute it. And I'm tired of the excuse and the complaints because they ain't getting us nowhere. Yeah. What you said is interesting, but uh, listening to you say something occurred to me is like the other ethnic groups, they actually kind of did the same. They, they did the whole like lobbying and, and asking for stuff from the government, but they did everything else too. That's a, that's like the big difference. Like they didn't sit and wait. They did what they could be on the on the side until they could make that thing happen. And if they had pennies, they, they got their little pennies together and made it and like kind of leveraged it, yep. make it make it look more than pennies, like make it do what it could do. In the meantime, uh, and also like. 
I feel like so black folks, we got people that are trying to do the right things and do create power, but there's too many disconnected like silos. Like there's too many people that are like the only way we're gonna do it is government. And then you got separate people that are saying the only way we're gonna do it is business. And then separate people that are like jobs. You got like people are doing things, but they're not connected to the other people that they don't agree with. Like right. civil rights movement, you had people that AG Gaston. You would never catch that dude probably in public saying like we need to get from the government but he was funding under the table people like mlk so he was doing his own thing with his own philosophy but he was also helping out the people that he didn't necessarily agree with at least in public right so they were attacking it on different fronts instead of i'm doing it my way you do it your way right right, we need we need all the approaches and we need to sync up even if you don't like each other right it's kind of like diversification of your your assets it's like you got to have assets you got to have different different strategies working because you never know what's going to succeed. Let me, uh, let's go ahead and cut this one short. I got to get back upstairs. We got to sure. get out a little quick in and out episode. Can't go wrong with that. For sure. For sure. Then we're going to wrap this up folks. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at street talk pod. Follow, follow myself on Twitter at work money life. Follow my partner Charles on Twitter at real Todd billion. We're going to leave you guys with one last tweet from my partner Charles. Say, greatness is not just what one does, but also what one refuses to do. The Tweet Talk the Blackwell Podcast. Raphael and Charles, we are out.